There will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. In the name of Jesus, amen. Uh, Zebulun and Naphtali. If you had a map of Israel-Palestine in your mind, you're looking at it kind of on the left side. You've got the the Mediterranean Sea. You move in a couple inches towards the the bottom of the page. There's the oblong Dead Sea, kind of bottom right. Jerusalem just uh, left and a little up from there. And then the long Jordan River, kind of snaking north about 100 miles. Till you get to the much smaller sea, the Sea of Galilee, kind of kidney-shaped up there. To the left of that, to the left of that, just to the west of the Sea of Galilee, that's, that's the land of Zebulun and Naphtali. Way up there, which, which kind of means they're out of the way. Part of what called or got called Galilee of the Gentiles, not because it was all Gentiles, it's part of Israel, but Galilee of the Gentiles, because being on the borderlands, Gentiles like to visit. And they especially like to visit with swords and chariots and armies to raid and pillage. Occasionally conquer bits, set up shop, intermarry with the locals, bring in their gods and all that sort of thing. I don't know if you'd call it the, the armpit of Israel, but in Isaiah's day, circa 750 B.C., Zebulun and Naphtali were not prime real estate. To live there meant less than pure worship, meant suffering through these raids and putting up with a lot of what would not not count as kosher. Isaiah's time had gotten really bad as, as big bad Assyria had been socking it to them. It's dark up there. It's dark up in Zebulun, Naphtali. Isaiah calls them a people who walk in darkness. Not just a walk, but but dwell even in darkness. It's so dark, you get the feeling they don't even know what the light is like anymore. And they've got a burdensome yoke. The the yoke of his his burden. They're always getting walloped on the shoulder with a staff. the, The staff of his shoulder, Isaiah says. What comes to my mind is the image of a, 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 an old ox or donkey, overworked, worked nearly to death, and then as soon as it collapses in exhaustion, hoping for a moment's rest, whap! The rod of the oppressor comes raining down. Get up. Back to work, you worthless donkey. That's the setting of Isaiah's prophecy here. Uh, I said a second ago, you kind of get... The feeling. It's been so dark for so long. But maybe some of you have had that feeling. Not exactly the same, but still understand the burdensome yoke and whack of the oppressor's rod. I suggested the idea of an abused animal, but you can just as easily think of a person. In fact, do that. Uh, what, what image, who, comes to your mind when you think of someone burdened down, whacked, oppressed, so dark they've forgotten what the light looks like? When I asked myself that, that question when putting this, this sermon together, what came, came to mind 
was the woman I met at my ordination service uh, 17 years ago next Sunday. I'm not sure I've ever told you of her. I actually met this woman uh, not at the service, but actually during the service. You ever been to one of these ordinations? Everyone's dressed up and prettied up for the, the big deal service on a Sunday afternoon. It starts with a bunch of pastors and, and red stoles walking in, and, and me with no stole yet because I'm not a pastor. You have a nice service. The, the sermon was, was that day by my, my good friend, Pastor Garricky. Then the ordination itself, a bunch of scripture verses and, and promises. Everyone lays their hands on the, on the pastor, gives him the red stole, and then hands things over to him, to me in that case, uh, to lead the communion part of the service, which I do. Super nervous, but manage not to mess it up. And just about to start calling people up at communion, and this woman comes in. She walked right up, uh, right up the aisle and stood staring at me. Uh, she was not all dressed up and pretty. And again, this is a small church about the size of this one. She's standing about six or eight feet away from me. The first thing I see when I turn around to start distributing the body and blood of Jesus. Her hair is all messed up like she'd had a hat on, but was just ripped it off. Not the cleanest clothes. Her shoulders are slumped. Her head cocked to the side, silent, expressionless, and about the saddest eyes I'd ever seen. Sad with big black splotches from her makeup mixed with the tears which were still streaming down her face as she stood there. Like she was waiting for I don't think she knew what. Just staring at me. I guess I'm a little embarrassed to say I can't remember uh, other details so much, not even her name. After a second or two, I I went down, kind of put my arm around her and uh, ushered her to sit down with a couple of folks who were in the front pew. She hadn't come to the church for the big deal service, of course. She'd just come because she was walking by and saw the church opened at a time it usually wasn't. Uh, Again, I can't remember exactly her story, but somehow she had been whacked one too many times. And she'd found herself in a place so dark she had forgotten the feel of the light. After the service, we got her some food, some clean clothes, prayed with her, made some phone calls and got her place to stay. The the tears finally stopped. Maybe it was nice for her uh, not to be whacked for at least a couple hours. But then never heard from her again. I pray she's well. I pray she's well and I thank God for her. I thank God for her that 10 minutes into my pastor gig, I met her. And that she's what comes to mind when I think about someone burdened down. And full disclosure, I thank God that she is what comes to my mind quite a bit when I look out over all of you. That you and me are a bunch of hers in disguise. In fact, I think that woman was God's way of telling me. Maybe she was an angel. Who knows? Maybe she was God's way of telling me on Pastor Day One that whatever church you're in for the next 50 years or so, Ben, that whatever they look like on the outside, 
They are people who have walked in darkness so long, they might not even remember what the light feels like anymore. That you are tired and burdened by so many things, by histories full of stuff done, left undone and done to you, and battered, battered by an inability to forgive yourself and an unwillingness to forgive others, and stricken by marriages and relationships that are just plain dark, and just as you lie down for a little rest from all that, the rod of the oppressor, whoever, your parents, your friends, your boss, your Instagram, just as you lie down, the oppressor barks, you better be more, be better, be smarter, be prettier. The rod of the oppressor whacks you on the head and says, get up and work harder, you worthless donkey. That's what I saw the first time I looked out over my congregation with that woman. And it's pretty much what I still see. And what matters more than that, it's what Jesus sees. We heard that Isaiah prophecy spoke of the dark finally getting showered with light. The oppressor's rod, the staff, the yoke, broken once and for all. And then he's got this great party and the imagery of a bountiful harvest and victory and battle. 8th century B.C. images, of course. Today, maybe Isaiah would say joy like the rock locker room after the Super Bowl win. Everyone with goggles to protect their eyes from champagne flying everywhere, singing, some 60-something coach taking his turn, making a happy fool of himself, busting a move in the dance circle. All because the yokes have been lifted The staff cracked in half, the iron rod that rained down so many times finally ground to dust. And friends, that's what Jesus brings. So Matthew speaks of leaving Nazareth, Jesus went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali so that what was spoken by the prophet might be fulfilled and all that stuff. Friends, Jesus knows your darkness. He knows you're beaten up by others and how you beat yourself up. He sees your slumped shoulders and the smudged makeup you hide from everyone else. He knows how you cower like a donkey awaiting one more blow from the you're not enough oppressor's rod. And more than just know it, Jesus felt it. He felt the blows of the oppressor's rod. He heard their taunts. All the way to the cross, he bore your every burden. He bore the weight of the sins you cannot forget and the sins you find impossible to forgive. And he's still doing it. Right here with an I love you that not even death can silence. He died for you. With an I will never leave you stronger than the grave. He rose for you. And you are enough brighter than the darkest dark. His face shines on you. He is right now, slowly, surely, graciously, Lifting your burdens, and he will not stop until he lifts you to himself, gives you some golden goggles, and your turn to make a happy fool of yourself, busting a move beside angels in a dance circle that will blow your mind. And a foretaste today. Oh, foretaste. I know you still bear the weights and fear the blows and, 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 and know the darkness. We all do. All reminders, we are not at the party yet. But you get a little peek. You get a little peek when, when Jesus invites you to his table today. 
I can't remember if that woman I mentioned, if she came up for communion at my first service. Uh, probably not, given the condition she was in. Heck, don't even know if she was a Christian or if she knew what communion is. But you do come. Come to Jesus' table today not to get whacked into shape. You, 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 can, you can even uh, leave your promise to work harder and be better in the pew. Just come. In the body and blood, with the bread and the wine, just come meet Jesus. Receive Jesus, the rod breaker, the light bearer, the burden lifter, who will strengthen and preserve you in body and soul unto life, unto party and dance and light and life everlasting. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.